0: Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060 Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Playing tonight to Pat McGrath. Remember, here is Jackson. Hold on. Jackson run! Please come down. Oh, effortless. Taken on a rope and it's blocked. Pulled down by Minsa. They have the one timeout. Are they going to take it or not? They don't have the scores on the floor. It's Butler. With two seconds, he's got to put it up. And he wins it. He wins it with the jumper. A San Diego State miracle. To Durant loads up for three. Hold the pose, KD. A
1: lot of wasted bulls in every day.
0: One-two pitch. Bounce to first. Walker's there. McGuff covers, and he's got his first big league save. And the Diamondbacks have a four-game split at Dodger Stadium. Another two-to-one win. Thompson hits it in the air. The grand slam. second career slam for trace thompson
1: and it's a five run la first well, you thought the diamondbacks perhaps caught a break when that mookie betts uh seemingly home run ball was called fan interference but boy the dodgers just pounding away at mad bum here two out nobody on smith with a two-two pitch bouncing ball left side charged by young he's got it sets and throws this ball game is over Will Smith retires the side in order, and the Texas Rangers sweep the Philadelphia Phillies. The Rangers, one of only three teams in Major League Baseball, unbeaten after the first weekend of play. On that, he swings and taps it to the mound. To home for one.
0: Raleigh to second. First. Bounce to throw down the right field line. That is going to enable Ramirez to score. Bell to third. And the Guardians get a gift and lead six to five. Dial 602 260 1060. That's 602 260 1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM 1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM 1060. And welcome to the Monday, April third edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. The NCAA tournament. Who got ATS in tonight's championship game? And from Saturday, did San Diego State win or did Florida Atlantic lose? The Suns. Did we learn anything from the wins over the Nuggets and the Thunder? The Diamondbacks, how about a bold prediction for the 2023 season? MLB, what stood out during the first four days of the season? And what else caught your eye since our last show all the way back to Friday? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. At 9.15 or so, an NCAA tournament update, including a Final Four analysis from Saturday. In a preview of tonight's championship game, Ryan Flaherty will join us from 24-7 Sports. 9:30 will be interactive action at 602, 260-1060, and also the local roundup. A little bit on the Suns, a little bit on the Diamondbacks. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup, including some latest line info and some rip from the headline stuff from the weekend. Then, after the sports zone from uh, 10 to noon, it is the extra point hosted by Cale. That'll include around the NBA with Sean Devity. On to the phone, fo- the uh, pipeline. Let's go to the pipeline. Phone lines later. Pipeline right now. We to go to that right now. Very nice on that. Time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at kdus1060.com. Today's question is, who you got ATS tonight? Connecticut at FanDuel is minus 7.5, or San Diego State, you might want to take San Diego State, plus 7.5. And And Kayla, what do we have for early returns?
1: We have San Diego State plus 7.5, 67% of the vote. UConn minus 7.5 at 33%.
0: And uh, needless to say, Connecticut and San Diego State, uh, they've won their first five games of the tournament. They've taken different routes to win the first five games. The Huskies have won every game by at least 13 points. The Aztecs have won four games by seven points or fewer, including the last two games by one point. In addition, answering the uh, dot-com poll question there, how about uh, some witty analysis? We love that witty analysis. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question Which is more accurate here, San Diego State won on Saturday night or Florida Atlantic lost? And Kayla, what do we have here?
1: We have San Diego State won 61.5% of the vote, FAU lost 38.5%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060.
0: Florida Atlantic led by 13 in the second half before San Diego State's experience and physical strength played significant roles during that comeback. What else stood out during San Diego State's one-point victory over Florida Atlantic? I Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns won two more games since our last show. The Suns are, uh, you know, three games ahead in the lost com. They're now, you know, actually the Warriors lost again yesterday. They're now in fifth place, sixth place, sixth place in the conference. The Lakers have actually been hot. We'll get to them more more about that at the bottom of the hour. During the local roundup, to some extent. But anyway, the Suns won two more games over the weekend. They beat the extremely shorthanded Nuggets on Friday night. And of course, they won yesterday at Oklahoma City against the Thunder. Do we learn anything from the Suns' wins over the shorthanded Nuggets and the, uh, quite frankly, not that good Thunder? Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks split the season opening four game set at Dodger Stadium. And uh, I'm going to steal a question from the Sunday telecast on Bally Sports Arizona. So how about a bold Diamondbacks prediction for the 2023 season? Bold means bold, you know, not just like, uh, you know, like a, you know, you know, something like Zach Allen's going to win some games. Uh, that's not bold. Something bold would be great. Uh, meanwhile, Spain and the Globe. It's uh, overreaction Monday after four days of the baseball season. Among the happenings since the Thursday start to the season, the Rangers have now swept a home series against the defending National League Championship Phillies, unless well, they're not really the defending champions because they're not exactly currently constructed as they were a year ago. But anyway, the Rangers, underdogs, won three games over the Phillies, and the Guardians won three out of four games at Seattle. To me, that was the best-played series of the weekend uh, between two, I think, pretty good teams. Meanwhile, What was most noteworthy to you during the first four days of the 2023 MLB season? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's Sensational Radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 260-1060, or you can tweet the show at kdusam1060 or twitter.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by an NCAA tournament update. Specifically, we'll look back at the Saturday Final Four games and look ahead to tonight's championship game. Kevin Flaherty scheduled to join us from 24-7 sports. Then again, at the bottom of the hour, uh, we will get to phone calls. general discussion at the bottom of the hour, 602-260-1060. We'll have a little uh, little local roundup also in that uh, bottom of the hour segment. Uh, with some on the uh, Suns for the weekend, a little bit on the Diamondbacks from the weekend. And Madison Bumgarner, is he okay uh, after that first start sent home to Phoenix to be checked out? And uh, we'll also, of course, get to the National Roundup, as we mentioned previously, to conclude the spectacular one-hour sports zone. You are listening to the spectacular one-hour sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Now, time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2 and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. And hey, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. UConn and San Diego State will play in tonight's uh, national championship game in Houston. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the Sports on by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. And Kevin, good to have you back on the show. Let's go back to Saturday, uh, the final four games. Let's start with San Diego State rallying to eliminate Florida Atlantic. Was that, uh, that, that, that game more Florida Atlantic losing it or San Diego State winning it?
1: You know, I thought it was more San Diego State winning it. And it and it was a really interesting game going in, I thought. And that I thought that San Diego State would be the much more physical team, and I looked at it very similarly to the game that Florida Atlantic won against Tennessee, right? Because Tennessee was kind of a a bully ball team, if you will, that, you know, had a tendency to to kind of go 5 minutes here, 6 minutes there without scoring. And you felt like, you know, if Tennessee had that kind of stretch against Florida Atlantic, which they did, then they could be in trouble. Well, San Diego State was was in trouble. I mean, they, they wound up going down and then the defense really locked in. They were incredibly physical. I, I think there were, you know, you, you hate to say, I, I'm not a big, hey, the ref teams this game or, or anything like that. There were maybe a couple calls that didn't quite go their way. And I think, you know, when you look at at that last stretch where Florida Atlantic wasn't really wasn't really scoring, there was maybe a little bit of tightness there. But I also feel like it was tightness that was caused by San Diego State.
0: So for two weeks, we've watched Florida Atlantic make big plays to win these close games. You mentioned a couple of things there, but what specifically do you think was different? During the uh, second half meltdown, that uh, you know, we'd seen them make plays to to win games you know, for two weeks basically, uh, and uh, they didn't make them on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, it's hard to put a, put your finger just uh, on one thing. I mean, they weren't really getting the the great looks that they kind of got. I, I feel like was a, was a big part of it. You know, they've all, all tournament long they've been able to kind of spread it and shred people, and, and it's not necessarily hey. They're out here making 17 three-pointers a game, but more that they're playing four out. And with the way that they've been able to do that, it's opened up driving lanes. And, and, you know, guys like John L. Davis have become kind of household names for their ability to attack the basket. San Diego State is a team that's really good defensively in scramble drills. You know, they can, they can help. They can force you to get rid of the ball, but then the way that they rally back after you get rid of the ball, the way that that they scramble back to get out there, a lot of teams aren't great at the college level in that scramble drill, and so that's how open shots happen. San Diego State is really good at it, and I thought that they did an outstanding job down the stretch against Florida Atlantic in terms of closing off those driving lanes giving a little bit of help where there needed to be a little bit of help, but then also closing things out where Florida Atlantic wasn't getting good shots off that penetration either.
0: Also be nice if you didn't allow your opponent to get offensive rebounds off missed free throws, huh?
1: Sure. Sure. And how many times do we see that this tournament, Bob? I I feel like as crazy as it sounds, you know, there are so many things that people want to talk about transfer portal NIL you know, sort of these overarching themes. But, you know, to look at, at kind of a minor thing, it, it feels like we've had five different games or so, maybe even more, decided by an offensive rebound here or there that, you know, you just you didn't quite get to the rebound, and that's why you went home. It happened to Kansas against Arkansas. It happened in a few of these other games too. And it's uh, it, it will be interesting to see how many of these teams load up on rebounders in the transfer portal this offseason.
0: Yeah, it was uh, between that and, you know, fouling three-point shooters. (laughs) Those are two things that have kind of driven me nuts during the tournament here. All right, so let's go to the Florida Atlantic final possession, what it turned out to be their final possession, uh, legitimate possession. Did you think at the moment that San Diego State should have been trying to foul to extend the game?
1: No, I didn't necessarily think so. I did think, though, that Florida Atlantic, I don't want to say they bailed them out, but they did go a little bit early. You know, maybe by a, a few seconds or so, I thought, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I didn't. I, I I see what you're saying. It, it's something where it was close enough that that I think you, you could have said, yeah, you know, if Florida Atlantic takes that thing all the way down and and shoots pretty much right at the at the shot clock buzzer, you don't have much time left to uh, to make a play. But it it wound up uh, it wound up working out in their favor. I probably wouldn't have have fouled there but at the same time you know it, it was pretty I wouldn't have argued if you did either it was close enough either way I thought
0: so San Diego State gets the ball back you know Turmel and Bradley are not in the game Dutcher decides not to call timeout were you surprised uh, that he didn't call a timeout obviously it worked out well with Butler hitting the game winning shot but did you agree with the strategy at the time
1: Yeah, I think coaches call timeout too often in those situations. And if you practice it well, it's not necessarily that, hey, you're going to get the best possible shot, you know, and the most open look or or anything like that. But I think, you know, how many times over the course of the season have we seen teams just not even get a shot off? When they call a timeout, you know, it gives the opposing defense the time to get set. It gives the coach time to say, hey, you know, if they run pick and roll, blitz the blitz the ball handler so that he has to take an extra second here or there and next thing you know, the ball's on the ground and people are scrambling around and the time runs out. And so I think when you have a chance like that where you have, you know, somewhat of a fast break opportunity, it wasn't really a fast break, but it was enough that the defense wasn't necessarily going to get set and you're going to have a one-on-one sort of opportunity, you go ahead and take that.
0: I'm going to throw out the other side here. Oh, largely because Dutcher, and I've been watching you know, the you know, the games on uh, you know the Mountain West games on CBS Sports Network sure. all year long, and Lapis keeps pointing out yeah, I didn't know if anybody was ever going to be as good as you know, Bill Self and uh, Tom Izzo coming out of timeouts and getting good looks for their guys. But Dutcher, they're really good at that. And I heard him say after the game that he ran out of good plays. But I was surprised because yeah. they're so good at coming out of timeouts that he didn't call one. Yeah, it,
1: it's been interesting too because I feel like Izzo and Self even have had some moments. If you remember uh, back when Kansas lost to Kansas State in Manhattan, you know, Kansas mm-hmm. had the opportunity twice, first at the end of regulation and, and then again at the in overtime and didn't get a shot off either time. and you know one of those uh, one of those things were yes, they are really good at setting those things up, but by the time you get to a certain point in the season and, and whether that's you know somebody being able to prepare for you in the final four where they've had a full week, you know whether that's somebody that you're preparing for in conference or they see you multiple mm-hmm. times a year i feel like people know what you really want to do and so maybe you can go against tendency a little bit to, to try and iron out a look but for the most part the other team knows what you want to do in that situation too
0: yeah i think that's a really good point i agree with that part uh so, uh, you know, we'll beg to differ a little bit on this. Uh, Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports currently in the sports zone. All right, game two, uh, Connecticut, you know, Jackson's in foul trouble. Hawkins is obviously not feeling well. They're still up 20 points in this game. Why did the Huskies pretty much have no no issues playing against Miami on Saturday?
1: You know, it, it's crazy because when you look at, at recent history, I, I always – go back to the 2018 Villanova team because they pretty much made a mockery of the three-point line in that NCAA tournament. And, and, and you know, shortly after that, you know, the, the three-point line gets bumped out a little bit. But traditionally what we've seen is even that team had, you know, just an absolute clunker of a shooting game in their win against Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. And I always kind of use that as my example to to say to people, you know, nobody hits shots or or hits outside shots specifically for six straight games. It just doesn't happen. Well, here we are, and UConn hasn't had a clunker game from from the outside all tournament. I I think the worst Mm -hmm. they've shot has been 34 or or 34.5% in one of those first five games from the outside. And when you look at, at what UConn does to people on the interior, you know, that just kills you because you have to choose. And so you you feel like, hey, you know, we've got a chance to win this game if UConn misses shots, and, and they haven't been missing shots. And I think, you know, you look at, at how physical they were against Miami in that game, you know, obviously out-rebounded Miami. You know, they held down Miami's offense. As well, you know Miami really struggled to score, and it was it was very interesting because, and I thought Dan O'Neill wrote a a really interesting piece about it. You know, most of us feel like Dan Hurley is just an absolute madman, <laughs> and when Miami, you know, sort of threatened to cut it down, what they get it to eight, I think you you didn't see any fear really. You didn't see him blowing up. You didn't see you know, the coach trying to, you know, pull the strings, come on, one last push or, or whatever else. It was, I think he felt really comfortable. I, I really think that he felt like, Hey, we're the better team here. we just got to clean a couple things up and, and we'll, you know, advance in this one. And, and I thought that was really telling just, just the fact that a lot of times in those situations, you know, collars get a little bit tighter. It gets a little bit hotter in the gym and, and all of those different things that, and that just wasn't the case for UConn. They were very comfortable, and even when Miami sort of threatened a little bit, you know, it, it wasn't for very long.
0: So UConn's won every game by at least uh, you know, double digits, 13 points or fewer. San Diego State's won four of its five games by single digits, including obviously the last two games by one point. Let's start with UConn here. What, what has impressed you the most with UConn during this five-game demolition to this point of the tournament?
1: I'm not sure I could put my finger on one thing. It's kind of everybody, you know, and it's it's interesting because I think some of it has come over the course of a season. And so when you look at where UConn is now, it's different from where UConn was when it was going through that stretch where it lost six games, six out of eight games. and And I think, you know, part of that was They lost in close games through there, and when you play close games, they say the best way to win a close game is to not play a close game because, you know, bounces are inevitably not going to go your way all the time. But I think the other thing was people were were kind of packing the paint because Andre Jackson not being much of a shooter, and and I think, you know, UConn wasn't super sure of what they were going to do, and they've kind of turned him into a playmaker a little bit. And they've said, hey – if, they're, if your guy is not going to play you to shoot, you know, you don't have to stand where he's leaving you. You can drive that thing into the paint a little bit. You can create for some other people. And I feel like that was a little bit of a turning point for UConn once they started doing that. And so people were no longer able to really just kind of pack things in and say, hey, whoever Andre Jackson's man is, you know, help out in the paint and that, you know, will play – you know, four on five, basically. And and that's been fixed. And I think, you know, when you look at, I think he had four assists in the Final Four game. When you look at at the contributions that he's brought, you look at Tristan Newton was a guy that I was so excited about in the transfer portal because I just felt like he was one of those guys who's a connector. You know, he's Mm -hmm. one of those guys that, that just sort of supplies the glue that a team needs. And then, you know, you look at Sanogo, obviously, you know, Jordan Hawkins, you know, even with him being sick, he's had a great tournament and a great last part of the year. He's probably going to be, you know, a first round, maybe even a lottery pick. I I just think it's all the pieces kind of fitting together and finding themselves. And and UConn has has pretty good depth, too. When you bring a guy like Klingon off the bench, that's a luxury that not a lot of people have.
0: All right, so let's flip this. I mentioned different routes to the championship game. Obviously, uh, San Diego State's won these close games, including the last two games, by one point. What has impressed you most about San Diego State's run to the championship?
1: Yeah, I think just the fact that San Diego State's been in some rough positions. I mean, even you look at that Alabama game, and Alabama kind of came back in the second half a little bit, and it was like, okay, San Diego State had it shot, now, you know now the Crimson Tide are going to cruise and they've just never really been put away I mean there have been multiple situations where you've said okay they're they're on the ground somebody's going to put their foot down and they just haven't allowed their opponents to do that and I think that's one of the interesting things to watch against UConn because UConn has put people away they've done an outstanding job of that and so is this the one game that that UConn is not going to shoot super well from the outside. Obviously, San Diego State really good defensive team, and if UConn gets up eight or ten points, you know that's home for this San Diego State team right now. That's that's not something where where they're going to be looking at at freaking out or anything like that. And you know they're just such a physical team. They bought in defensively. The offense has come along from where it was earlier this year. I don't think it's a great offense but I still think you know they're somewhat opportunistic when they get their opportunities and so it it's going to be uh it's going to be really interesting but I just think the physical and mental toughness of San Diego State really shines through.
0: All right, so you know kind of uh, let's put this together here. You know San Diego State they're getting 7, 8 points depending on where you're doing your business if you're uh, into the wagering part of things. How? What's a blueprint for them to hang? Either win a game, or uh, you know, we've covered the point spread.
1: Yeah, I think they've got enough big guys that that they can. I don't want to say stop UConn on the interior, but I think that that they can body up better than people can. They than other people can. I think that they can close off the rim a little bit better. I think that's going to be a big part of it, but the biggest thing is just that UConn's going to get some open shots. I mean, they're a team that wants to get the ball inside, move it around, it, and so they're going to get some open looks. And San Diego State, they need to be on in their scramble drill, but they also, quite frankly, need UConn probably to miss some open shots. And I think, as as silly as that sounds, that's, that's kind of their key in this one. I mean, there's a reason that, that they're giving seven or eight points depending on on where you're at. And I think a big part of that is that UConn, quite frankly, is is the better team. Anything can happen in one night, but at the same time, I think San Diego State's going to need a little bit of an outlier performance from UConn, at least from where UConn has been to win this game.
0: All right, so bottom line, uh, you know, which of those two scenarios you think is most likely to happen tonight and why?
1: Yeah, I think Yukon's going to win this game. I, it's, it, I do think San Diego State has, you know, the, the players to kind of hang around. I, I It wouldn't surprise me at all if we're heading into the final couple minutes and it's, it's a five-point game or so. UConn has a, a five-point lead or so, but I think once you start looking at, you know, free throws, plays down the stretch, things like that, I, I think UConn is going to push this thing up and, And it's probably going to win by, you know, eight, nine, ten points. I actually really, I don't like the spread being where it's at in terms of wanting to bet on the game because I feel like it's it's too close to what I would actually predict. But I like the spread in terms of I feel like it being an accurate indication of, of probably where this game is headed.
0: I'm with you on that point spread thing. Uh, you know, if somebody asked me like uh, you know, a couple minutes to go in the second game. What would I make the number? And I said seven. So we're kind of uh, pretty much uh, in line there. So uh, you know, not going to be a, a wager for me, at least maybe in game, but not before the game. So we'll see how that goes. Kevin, appreciate the time, not just today, but throughout, uh, throughout the season. Thanks. Good stuff. We'll look forward to doing it again next year.
1: Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Bob.
0: My pleasure. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. Excellent stuff there from uh, Kevin. Next segment, it is phone call time. It's general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some local roundup from the weekend, a little bit on the Suns, a little bit on the Diamondbacks, and uh, a little bit about the... uh, the Suns have, you know they won two games. We all know that, but uh, you know it was a good weekend for the Suns as far as some of the most of the other stuff that happened in the Western Conference. We've been saying that a lot lately, but uh, these Western Conference teams just can't put together any winning streaks. The Suns obviously have a winning streak going here now, but uh, kind of a uh, I wouldn't say weird because we've seen it before. But it was a, a beneficial weekend for the Suns for sure as far as the entirety of the Western Conference goes. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle HD2 100.7. Listen to rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 21007 In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, general discussion 602-260-1060. We'll get to your phone calls here momentarily. First up, let's repeat the pipeline for today. We started the poll questions. We'll answer the poll questions in a couple hours during the extra point hosted by Caleb. And the uh, kdus1060.com poll question, who you got tonight, ATS, Connecticut minus 7.5 or San Diego State plus 7.5, that's the FanDuel line. There are some eights out there. If you're uh, able to uh, get numbers in Las Vegas or offshore, there's quite a few eights out there, especially the offshore, it appears, uh, but uh, you know, if you want to shop around, uh, that's kind of the landscape, at least as of the last few minutes, as far as shopping around goes. Meanwhile, in addition to answering that question, how about uh, if you have some witty analysis for tonight's game, we love that too. Meanwhile, going back to Saturday, San Diego State, did they win that game on Saturday or did Florida Atlantic lose that game on Saturday? Anything else that stood out during the one-point San Diego State victory certainly encourage discussion today. Do we learn anything from the Suns' uh, last two wins against the shorthanded Nuggets and uh, and also uh, the not uh, not very good Thunder? They've got some decent players, but they're far from a uh, even. Uh, I think they're an av- they're a definition of an average team. The Thunder. They've got one tremendous player in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Other than that, I'm not really sure what they have. I'm not sure they know what they have. Quite frankly, at this point. Uh, but they've certainly improved. I mean, they've been awful the last day. Really, since they traded Chris Paul, they've been awful. Meanwhile, uh, the Diamondbacks, how about a bold prediction? I was stealing this from the uh, Bally's telecast yesterday. What's a bold prediction for the Diamondbacks' 2023 season? Uh, before Madison Bumgarner was sent back home to Arizona, I would have easily said the, best, but the bold prediction is that Bumgarner's good enough that the Diamondbacks could actually trade him. During this season, at some point, and I'm thinking that the fact that he's hurt or having some kind of physical issue after one start that's not exactly an enhancer's trade value. And anything that was noteworthy to you during the first four days of the MLB season also certainly is suggesting discussion today. All right, so the Suns they're now six and zero with Kevin Durant, two more wins since our last show Friday night. The short against the shorthanded Nuggets without four starters. Including Jokic and Murray, Suns win that game 193. They led by 27 before they turned the ball over with frequency to make it a single-digit game. Before they made some shots to to win the game. Meanwhile, Sunday, they win 125 to 118 in Oklahoma City, a game the Suns led mostly by double digits. Before, if you have heard this before turned the ball over a frequency to make a double-digit lead, a single-digit lead before they made some shots to win the game. The Suns' next play on Tuesday night at home against the Spurs. By the way, it was a good uh, weekend around the Western Conference for the Suns, especially yesterday. Uh, We start with uh, Jamal Murray scoring. He came back and played yesterday. Uh, 26 points. He also blocked Clay Thompson's three-point attempt in the final seconds. And the Nuggets, not completely shorthanded, but you know, still some short, somewhat shorthanded because Jokic didn't play yesterday either. The Nuggets beat the Warriors yesterday. 120, uh, 120 you know, I guess my computer just glitched here. Oh, here we go. Un- it unglitched. Uh, they won 112 to 110 against the Warriors. The Nuggets win that game. Michael Porter Jr., 29 points and 11 rebounds. Aaron Gordon, 13 points, 10 rebounds for the Nuggets. Jokic, that's the third straight game he's missed. Meanwhile, the Trailblazers, who have just bagged the season, they had the largest NBA upset in upset in 30 years last night, or yesterday afternoon, yesterday, uh, when they knocked off the Timberwolves. They were 19 and a half point underdogs. The Blazers, they win the game. You know, Lillard's not playing. They got a whole bunch of dudes that aren't playing. Uh, the Blazers have won. They actually had lost 11 of their previous 12 games. Uh, before they won that game yesterday in Minneapolis, 107 to 105, the Lakers. How about those Lakers? They Anthony Davis 40 points, LeBron 18 points, 11 assists, and 10 rebounds. That equals a triple double, obviously. And then uh, it's just, uh you know, 227th triple double. No, 107th. Excuse me, 107th triple double. The Lakers beat the Rockets last night, 135-119. So the Lakers are now two games above 500, And uh, they have uh, moved up in the Western Conference standings. They're now seventh in the Conference standings. So just look at the uh, the glob of teams here. The Suns now three games up in the fourth to fifth spots because the Clippers lost again. They've now lost two in a row. Uh, so the Suns have 35 losses. They have four games to play, three of them at home this week. The Clippers have 38 losses, as do the Warriors now. The Warriors are just five and five in the last ten games. The Lakers also thirty-eight losses. The Lakers have won seven out of ten and three in a row. Uh, the Pelicans thirty-eight losses. They've also won seven out of ten and two in a row, and still no Zion for the Pelicans. The uh, if you want to get deep into the weeds here, uh, Tim. The Timberwolves are at forty losses. They're currently in ninth place. The Thunder now 41 losses. They've now, after a hot streak, have lost to six of their last ten. I believe it's seven out of eight also in that stretch. And they have the Mavericks and the Jazz. They got 42 losses apiece, and they're now 11th and 12th, respectively. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, they split their four-game season-opening series at Dodger Stadium, which has to be viewed as a victory that they won two of those games. Also, I'm sure that the analytics people – uh, think that the Diamondbacks sucked because they got outscored 20 to seven, and they did win two of the four games. That's the last I last I heard is the you know, winning games is the big deal. The big news is the Madsen Bumgarner after the bad start on Saturday night sent back to Arizona to be evaluated by the club's medical team because of a uh, right arm fat- left arm fatigue. He's a left-hander, left arm fatigue uh, after that game. Uh, Bumgarner had uh, he gave up five runs on four hits, four walks, four strikeouts. Gave up the grand slam in the first inning to Trace Thompson. Uh, wasn't a good performance. And uh, Lavello did say that Bumgarner feels strongly that he will not miss a start. So we'll see if that happens. So the Diamondbacks move on to San Diego for a couple of games beginning today. And uh, then they come home and play four more games against the Dodgers. They will play the eight of the first 13 games of the season, uh, you know, eight of the 13 games they play this season against the Dodgers in the first two weeks of the season. Remember, it's the 13 games against division opponents now as opposed to 19 games for several years when they had the schedule they loaded up against division opponents. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's sports um, with the National Roundup. That'll be uh, include some latest line action. Last I looked to some of the places in Las Vegas that either not posted NBA numbers for today or a couple of the websites that usually have these things, they uh, are having some kind of mechanical issues. So I'm going to double-check that during the break. Uh, before the show started, I couldn't really find much of anything other than opening lines, and just looking quickly right now, about the only thing I can find right now are opening lines. So I'm not sure if uh, something going on there, or whether you know, I don't think this is happening. But maybe the NBA, maybe the odds makers in Nevada have gotten just frustrated with uh, load management and so forth. But yeah, they're gonna change their mind now with a week to go and decide, well, we're going to hold off on posting some of these lines until we actually know who's playing in the games. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show, here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's National Roundup. 40 minute final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA m M ten sixteen and Castle HD2 100.7. Obviously, the national championship game tonight in college basketball in Houston in the big football stadium. And uh, Connecticut opened a six point favorite. That stayed six for about a fraction of a second. Uh, it went to eight pretty much immediately in several of the uh, you know, high volume and you know, high high-limit shops in uh, Nevada and also worldwide. Then it's come come back, come back to 7.5. Right now in Nevada, I actually see some 8s uh, at Wynn and also at uh, the Station Casinos. Uh, also I also see a 7 in Las Vegas at Caesars, so if you have access to any of that, act accordingly. So that's tonight's national championship game against San Diego State. The total open, 129.5. Then I mentioned on Friday that rarely do these San Diego State games, the total, does it ever go up? Well, it has here. It's gone from 129.5 in the opening line to up to 132.5. And uh, it's pretty much universal now is the 132.5. In fact, I've got a list of about eh, 10 or 11 casinos in the state of Nevada, and they're all sitting at 132.5 as far as that goes right now, at least as of the last look, which was like during the break. So it's not that too far off. All right, some baseball for tonight. A couple of games of interest. Obviously, the Diamondbacks uh, took the bus ride from uh, Dodger Stadium down to San Diego after the game yesterday afternoon. They began a two-game series against the Padres. Then Arizona with Nelson on the mound uh, going against uh, San Diego. And Weathers goes for the uh, – scheduled to pitch for the Padres tonight. And uh, Weathers and the Padres at 140 favorite, 7-5 to basically – uh, total net game sitting at eight and a half. Also, the Dodgers begin a two-game series against Colorado, and uh, Grove, who has made the Dodgers starting rotation uh, against uh, Keltner, and I have no idea who Keltner is. Uh, you know, Jim Keltner used to be a drummer for uh, Derek and the Dominoes and Eric Clapton back in the day, but I'm pretty sure that he's not pitching for Colorado tonight. But uh, the Dodgers and Grove, a 220 favorite against Keltner and the Colorado Rockies tonight. Total net game at Dodger Stadium, sitting at 8.5. All right, some things around uh, the world of sports that kind of caught my attention from the weekend in the national roundup here. Let's start with Lamar Jackson, according to multiple reports now. He could end up sitting out the 2023 season entirely. This seems to be one thing that ESPN and uh, the NFL Network agree upon. Uh, So we'll see what's up with that. Also, multiple reports over the weekend that seem to believe that the Jets are the closest to signing Odell Beckham Jr. to a contract. Meanwhile, from college football slash the NFL, John Brockington, a former All-Pro running back who uh, ranks fourth on the Packers' all-time rushing list, passed away. Uh, John Brockington went to The Ohio State University back in the day. Uh, in the uh, you know, 69, 70, 68, 69, 70, some of the greatest teams Ohio State ever had. And he was one of the primary running backs in those days, especially in 1969 and 1970. And uh, he passed away uh, last Friday. He also spent uh, time in the NFL with the Chiefs. He was actually the first running back in NFL history to rush for more than a1,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. Some college basketball. Kentucky freshman uh, Kason Wallace, who is considered to be a lottery pick, uh, announced that he's going to forego his remaining college eligibility and enter the 2023 NBA draft. That's another thing that happens. That sometimes that's March madness in itself because you got guys that are declaring for the draft, and some guys actually understand their situation and they want to just have uh, you know, somebody from the NBA or. However, this works out, the talent evaluators for the NBA tell them where they stand as far as the draft goes, etc. There's a deadline, which unfortunately I don't have handy here, where they can pull out and they don't have to, they're entering the draft as long as they don't hire an agent, they're okay with that. Uh, As far as ESPN's concerned, they have Wallace ranked as the number 10 10 player in the draft projections, or number 10 prospect, let's call it a prospect. Uh, he was a tremendous – well, most of the season um, he was kind of in and out as a lineup for Kentucky, but he ended up being their you know, starting guard and had 11 points and uh, you know 4.3 assists per game, played like 32 minutes a game for the Wildcats and what the, likely – I think he'd be staying in the draft, likely his final in one season at Kentucky. Meanwhile, some hot stove, former Diamondback, Robbie Ray – he was terrible on Friday night and, uh, and on Saturday, maybe we found out why he was placed on the injured list because of left, uh, left flexor strain he was, obviously he's a left-handed pitcher. And uh, of course he won the Cy Young award two years ago with Toronto was okay. Last year, better than okay. He was good with the uh, Mariners last year and starting off to a bad, uh, getting off to a bad start here. He didn't make it through the fourth inning on Friday night in his first start of the season against Cleveland. And, uh, really struggled with his control. We've seen that when he was pitching here. And also, Jake Cronenworth signed a seven-year contract extension with the San Diego Padres through the uh, 2030 season. He's a good player. Went to the University of Michigan, and that has not hindered him. He's been a successful person after he escaped from the University of Michigan. Uh, he was set to become a free agent after the 2025 season. He's going to make $4.23 million this season. Uh, That was his uh, first year as an arbitration-eligible player. That would have been after after this upcoming season. All right, stay tuned in the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll go around the NBA with Sean Devaney. More phone call time if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned. The Extra Point's coming next.